the Lord. If you are uh, standing, you can remain standing for just a moment. If you'd like to stand with me uh, in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord, as is our custom, uh, I will be standing the remainder of service. So please, we'll let you sit back down, get comfortable. Thank God for air conditioning today. Tell people we put the bake in Bakersfield. Amen. And uh, it's supposed to be hot. I know it's already hot. It was hot early this morning. I'm thankful for air conditioning. Hallelujah. And uh, makes me want to go to heaven and not the other place. <laughs> Amen. We're going to look to the book of beginnings. Took the look at the book of Genesis. And uh, if you don't know where that's at, just open your Bible, turn a couple pages, and you're going to find it. Amen. It's the first of 66 books. Book of beginnings in Genesis chapter 4. Verses 1 through 12, I'll read quickly because uh, I have uh, something I would like to share with us today. Genesis chapter 4, verse number 1, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time... It came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, the best that he had to give, and of the fat thereof. He was a keeper of sheep, so he brought a lamb. It was a firstling, it was a young, it was, it was the best that he had. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but... Unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Cain was very wroth, very angry. The oldest brother Cain was very angry with Abel. His countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why are you angry? And why is thy countenance fallen? Why are you in a bad mood? Why, are you ha why do you have that disposition? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field. Everybody say, in the field. When they were in the field, they're on Cain's territory. They weren't in the pasture, they were in the field. That Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain went and disposed of his brother's body. Tried to cover it up. And God said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. And when thou tillest the ground, it shall not, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. I want to talk to us for a few minutes this morning, this afternoon, on this 
thought, this subject. And as I give you the title, I want to say, Brother Nichols, phenomenal job this morning. And some of the verses he used are in the, my notes today. And I feel like he was, he was right on and we're tag teaming today. But I want to talk to us <clears throat> on this subject. The blood still speaks. The blood still speaks. Would you pray one more time as you're, however you're custom, however you're comfortable with this morning, that God would deal with our hearts today. Lord Jesus, I'm careful to give you glory and praise and honor. I thank you for your goodness and mercy. I'm thankful that your spirit has already moved in this house. Your presence is here right now this, in this place. God, I pray that you would move upon every heart, mind, and soul in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. I can't do it by myself. I need the unction of the Holy Ghost, your spirit moving in me, speaking in me and through me and to me today. Give us ears to gladly receive the word of God. Let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of the word. So in our text, we find this is in the beginning. The eldest son, Cain, has been born. The second son, Abel, is born. After some time, they grow. doesn't give us an exact amount of time, but it is some time. They are basically on their own. They're grown. And they both bring an offering to the Lord. On one side, you have the eldest son that brings an offering to the Lord from the ground that he is tilling, the ground that he is working. He is basically a farmer. He is growing crops and doesn't tell us what he offered other than it was the fruit of the ground that, that he offered. The ground produced something and he got it together and he offered it unto the Lord. But over on the other side, uh, in another field or a pasture, you find Abel. And he is a keeper of, of sheep. And he is raising sheep. And he also gives an offering unto the Lord. And he brings the, the offering of a, of a lamb, of a, of a young sheep, a firstling. And the fat there, it was the best that he had to give. It was an innocent lamb. It was probably without spot. It didn't have any uh, defects to it. And so he offers it unto the Lord. And the Bible says that, that God refused Cain's sacrifice, but he accepted Abel's sacrifice. And I think because we know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord, we know that by faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. So that means someone, probably mom and dad, Adam probably had told him that when you sacrifice unto the Lord, it needs to be a blood sacrifice. Someone had to tell him and there wasn't too many people around. But after God accepts Abel's sacrifice and doesn't accept Cain's sacrifice, we find Abel making his way over to talk with Cain, and he's having a conversation. And there in the field, Cain rises up in his anger, and he slays, he kills his own. This is horrible. We're four chapters into the book, and you have a brother killing a younger brother. Aiden, don't get any ideas with Simon. It didn't take very long for sin to have a negative effect. Adam and Eve sinned and it wasn't too long their children are rising up against each other. That's how far sin will take somebody in a very short amount of time. And then Cain tries to cover it up. I don't know where the body is. Plausible deniability. There ain't nobody around to know. I'm just going to put some dirt over him. God comes and have, has a conversation with Cain and Where's, that? Where's Abel? Oh, 
quote me? I don't know. God says, I know exactly what happened. Am I my brother's keeper? You killed your brother. And God tells, God tells Cain, he's cursed. And he tells him that, that Abel's, Abel's blood is continuing to cry out from the very ground. And that the ground will no longer have power or strength because of the blood. See, there's something here that's kind of interesting. On one side, you have the eldest Cain and you have the younger Abel. And it might be a little bit of a stretch, but Paul picks this up in the New Testament and he talks about the first Adam, the first man that God created, and that he makes the reference of the connection that Jesus is the second Adam. That God God created Adam and put him in the garden. Adam was perfect. And yet he fell and he sinned. And yet Jesus Christ is referred to as the second Adam. You have the eldest and you have the younger. Are you with me? Matter of fact, Paul writes, I'm just going to read it to you. So sit back, fasten your seatbelt. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man, everybody say one man. He's talking about Adam. Sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed unto all men, for that all have sinned. Because of Adam. Thank you, Adam. Everybody say, thank you, Adam. We're all born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We have a polluted, sinful bloodline. Thank you, Adam. I hope nobody's named Adam in this house today, because everybody's going to be blaming Adam. We're not blaming any Adams in the house. We're blaming the first Adam. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Let's just get that straight. All right, so Adam and Eve, maiden, first, right, hello. Male and female, maiden, all right, we do have to go over all that. So you got Adam and Eve in the garden, and they sin. And Paul says, he's writing about this, and he says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Oh, the figure of him. that was. So there's a first Adam, but there's coming a second Adam. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, Adam, many be dead. But more the grace of God and the gift by grace. I'm thankful for grace. Which is by one man, Jesus Christ. The first Adam, Jesus the second. Hath abounded unto many, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. And I'll explain all this if you not understand it. I know this is King James. We get lost in it sometimes. But I, just, just trust me. I'll, I'll explain it to you in just a minute. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man, everybody say Adam, offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace... And of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I said the other day, when you see therefore, you need to understand why it's therefore. Therefore, in other words, pay attention. As by the offense of one, Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. We were all condemned. Isaiah said, all we like sheep had gone astray. Not a single one of us were born perfect. 
I know your little baby looks so cute and perfect, but they have a sinful bloodline. Therefore, as by the offense of one, Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, Jesus Christ, the free gift, it's a free gift God has given to us, came upon all men unto justification of life. By one came condemnation, by another came justification. For as by, he keeps on going. Yeah, there's more. For as by one man's disobedience, thank you Adam for your disobedience, many were made sinners. You're looking at them. Have you looked in the mirror lately? <laughs> for by as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, Jesus Christ, one shall many be made righteous. By one's disobedience, we became sinners. But by one's obedience, even unto the death of the cross, many have been made righteous. You see, because Adam sinned, we were all born into Adam's sinful bloodline. Jesus is referred to as the second Adam. Yet his bloodline was flawless. All of humanity had a sinful bloodline. But not Jesus. How is that possible, you might ask? Because was he not a man? You need to understand the deity of Christ. He was fully God and yet he was fully man. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, an angel comes to Joseph in a dream and tells Joseph, The angel of the Lord told Joseph, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Almighty God. Right. You see, Jesus, his mama was Mary, but his father was the Spirit of Almighty God. Right. Your bloodline comes from your father. So we have a father called Adam, and yet Jesus was God in the flesh. His bloodline is perfect and pure and spotless and clean. Because it's going to take a perfect, spotless sacrifice, the blood of a perfect, spotless sacrifice, to save those of a polluted bloodline. I'm just trying to walk you through it this morning. Give me a few minutes today. You may not beat anybody else to the cafeteria today, but you'll have a good word with you when you go. You didn't have to go any farther on Ancestry.com to look at Jesus and go, the Father is the Spirit of Almighty God. <clears throat> let, me, let me just break it down who Jesus is, right? John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the word, logos. That's the thought, the plan of God. God always had a thought. God is a spirit. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. There's only one spirit. There's one Lord. There's one faith, one baptism. There's only one God. He is, we are monotheistic. We're the same monotheistic one God believers that Moses was in the Old Testament. We're just Christians saved by Christ and saved by grace and the blood of Christ in the New Testament. Hello? The Bible says the same was in the beginning with God. The same, the thought. God had a thought. He, matter of fact, it says he was, Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. Before God spoke into the cosmos and said, let there be light. In the beginning, 
time. God created the heavens, space, and earth, matter. Time, space, and matter, the space continuum. Before God even started anything in this galaxy, you know, the people talk about the Big Bang and where everything came from. It came from God. God said, let there be, and there was. Before the Spirit of God spoke into that, He already had a thought in His mind, it's going to cost me something. I'm going to have to rope myself in flesh and allow my body, my flesh and blood, to be crucified so that I can save a humanity that I haven't even created yet. What an awesome God we serve. The Bible says He knows the end from the beginning. Amen. Before you were born, He already had a plan for your life. Before you were born and living in sin, God already had a purpose to save your soul. As bad as you, some of the things you and I, let me just talk to myself, let me just look in the mirror. As bad as I am and the things that I've done in my life and my past, which is thank God now under the blood, hallelujah. As bad as that was, even before I came into existence, he already had a plan for me. He made a way of escape before I knew there was a way of escape. Praise God. In verse 14 of John 1, and the word, this thought, the word logos, we say the word, but it's the thought, the plan of God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the, his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Can I tell you, the thinker of the thought was made. Flesh. Can you have a thought without a thinker? Sometimes I wonder if people even think and have a thought. <laughs> You can't have a thought without a thinker having the thought. Now, ladies, let me just clue you in. When you ask your husband, what are you thinking? He may not be thinking. And then you ask him, what were you thinking? Well, I told you, I wasn't thinking nothing to begin with. I'm still not thinking nothing. A little self-help marriage counseling this morning. Wasn't part of my notes, but this is good stuff. Hey, babe, what are you thinking? Nothing? <laughs> 1 Timothy 3 says this, verse 16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God, Spirit, was manifested, revealed to be shown, to say, hey, here I am. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles. Who's preached unto the Gentiles? Jesus Christ. Believed on in the world and received up into, the, up into glory. Who was that? Jesus. The second Adam. Matter of fact, Jesus in John 14, he looked at his disciples and, and the people around him. He said, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. John 10 and 30, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. John 14, 10, believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Praise God. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. He's God manifested in the Matter of fact, they tried to stone him because they, they looked at Jesus and the Pharisees said, Who do you say you are? He said, I'm God in the flesh. And they tried to stone him. He's like, hey, in the flesh, right here. And they tried to kill him because he said, I'm God. He's like, bingo, you're right, I am God. Even Pilate put king of the Jews. <laughs> well, I won't go, squirrel. I do that. If you're a visitor today, sometimes I like to chase, you know, rabbits and... I'm trying to stay on track today because I really have some place to go because I really believe we're going to help somebody in the next couple minutes. The Spirit of God inhabited the flesh, Jesus Christ, 
Jesus is fully God and fully man. That's what the incarnation was. It was God putting on flesh because there's no way for spirit to become flesh or to be flesh. Spirit is not flesh. Spirit is spirit. Flesh is flesh. So the spirit had to create a body, Jesus Christ, so that the spirit could dwell in a body and the invisible could become visible. The intangible could become tangible. God manifested himself in the flesh. 1 Timothy 1 and 17, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Praise God. Matter of fact, I'll just sum it up with this. Colossians 2 and 9, For in Him, Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. person of Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. So, but because we were all born into Adam's bloodline, we must all be born again unto the second Adam. God's own bloodline must be applied to your life. Brother Nichols was talking about the natural man, the carnal man, the old man. I was born in sins, shaped in iniquity. But because of Calvary, because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of the blood that we just sang about a couple minutes ago, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I have a new bloodline. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said, except a man be born of the water, that's baptism, and of the Spirit, the Spirit of Almighty God, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. He said, except a, man must be, except a man be born again. Except you get a new bloodline flowing in your spiritual veins, you're not going to make it. I want to go to heaven. Well, how are you going to get there? That's the inheritance God has. That's the inheritance that the Father has for His children. But you've got to be in the bloodline to receive the inheritance. And if you're not baptized in Jesus' name... And you don't have the Spirit of God in your life. You're not in the will of God. But it's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's the will of God, His last will and testament, that we repent of our sin, we're baptized in His name, we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, so that we might inherit eternal life. I was born in Adam's sinful state, but thank God for Jesus. (laughs) that I can cross over and I have a new bloodline flowing through my spiritual veins. This making sense to anybody this morning? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, I think Brother Nichols actually quoted all three verses. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That means to be made alive. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Almighty God. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. I was my sin. I was born in the flesh, a spirit, uh, a sinful man. But in my spirit, the spiritual man that's within me has been washed and cleansed. My soul has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Whew, that's amazing. The first man is of the earth. Everybody say earth. We're going to come back to this in a couple minutes. This is really going to help somebody. Some of you uh, theologians out there, you probably already know where I'm going. But the first man is of the earth, earthly. But the second man is the Lord from heaven. First Adam, second Adam. The sinful man, Adam, the sinful bloodline. Jesus Christ, the pure bloodline. 
the spotless lamb. Praise God. Let me just give you a distinction. Adam brought condemnation. Jesus brought salvation through justification and sanctification. Adam brought disobedience. Jesus was obedient even to the death of the cross. Adam's disobedience made us sinners. Jesus' obedience to the cross made us righteous. Adam brought death. Jesus brought life. I'm, I can't that you might have life and that you might have it more. Adam broke the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. Adam brought, uh, brought offense. Jesus brought grace. <laughs> Adam brought bondage. Jesus brought freedom. Adam cursed us. Jesus blessed us. Adam hurt us, Jesus healed us. Adam put us out of relationship, Jesus brought us into relationship. Adam was kicked out of the garden that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the veil was rent from top to bottom. Now we have access into relationship into the holiest of holies with Jesus Christ. Adam ate from the tree, Jesus died on the tree. First Adam, second Adam. Let's talk about, can we talk about that tree just for a second? Okay, maybe two minutes. In Genesis chapter 3, it talks about Adam and Eve. How we know when they sin? We won't get into all that stuff. Let's not, men don't blame the women. Women don't blame the women. They all ate, right? They both ate. Whatever. Blame both of them. Why do we do that? We always like to play the blame game, right? Husbands blame the wives. Wives blame the, blame the husbands. But aren't we one flesh? Hello, somebody. There you go. There's some marriage counseling. It's her fault. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. In the eyes of God, you're one. If it's her fault, it's your fault too. If it's his fault, it's your fault too. Well, let me just... Uh, Pastor, get back to the message. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. In the eyes of them, when they sinned, they ate the forbidden fruit. Y'all know the story. Were open, and they knew that they were naked. They were unrighteous. They were sinful. They were no longer pure. What did they do? They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They tried to cover up their sin with fig leaves. A lot of times we teach, we t we teach kids, and we... In Sunday school, when I know I remember talking about it. You know, what was the fruit? Was it an apple? I don't think so. It was probably a fig. Because if you look at Jew, uh, Jew, Jewish custom and, and Jewish history, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is often referred to as the fig tree. Because of this right here. They used fig. That's where they were at. They were at the tree. They immediately recognized in their sinful state. They recognized that they were sinners. That they had disobeyed, and so they took the very leaves of the tree and sewed them together. Interesting, we find, let's fast forward 4,000 years. We find Jesus and his disciples walking in from Bethany into Jerusalem the week before. We celebrate Easter week, right? And Palm Sunday, the week before Easter, and then, and then Easter Sunday. We, we celebrate that every year. And, and the week before Jesus would be crucified, he's in Bethany, and his disciples, I'm just trying to give you the story, they, they walk from Bethany each day for like a couple days during that week into Jerusalem, and then back, and then Jerusalem, and then back, and Jerusalem, and then back, because that's where he's going, right? He's getting ready to be crucified. Three days, about three days before, Jesus is walking along, and it's recorded by Matthew and Mark. In Mark chapter 11, it says, On the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. Jesus and his disciples are headed into Jerusalem. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves. Just letting that sink in a little bit for you deep theologians. You can go there. You can ask yourself that question. Hmm, isn't that interesting? 
having leaves. He came, if happily, he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. Now, this is God in the flesh. If he wanted it to have a fig, it had a fig. It wasn't its season. With God, anything's possible. It could have been anybody's season. And Jesus answered and said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter. forbidden fruit, you're going to be able to eat an acceptable fruit. He's the fruit I know this is deep, but get your shovel out and help me start digging. He's a no man eat of thee hereafter forever, and his disciples heard it, and they're like, hmm, isn't that interesting? This, this out of the kind of out of the blue story. I mean, this is the week before he's going to be crucified. He's going to be on trial. You know, the whole story. The, the whole, this is the whole focus of the Bible for this point. Everything in the Bible, Old Testament, New, points to this moment in time. And we hear about a fig tree. And then the next day, here they go from Bethany again, back to Jerusalem. And it's Peter that goes, hey, look at the fig tree, the one you cursed. He said, what, what, did he, what did he say in uh, verse 20? And in the morning as they passed, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remember it, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Notice, Adam ate the forbidden fruit from the fig tree. Jesus did not partake of the fruit. Why? Because he was fixing to go to another tree called Calvary. Jesus, why didn't you eat? I'm on my way to a better tree that's going to break the curse of the last one. I'm Pentecostal apostolic. Pardon me. I just got to just thank God for delivering me, saving me from the curse of Adam's tree that brought sin into this world because of the tree called Calvary, the cross, where Jesus was crucified, I was set free from the curse of the former tree. By one man's sin, but by another man's obedience. Why did Jesus pray in the garden of Gethsemane? If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And that night he was taken and put on trial, and he ended up being crucified. Matter of fact, it's Peter that later, remember it was Peter that said, hey, would you look at that? Hmm, that tree's all dried up. That tree has no power from the roots. Oh, you're not getting it. From the root. <laughs> the power of the root is in the soil in which it's buried. But be, you, I'm, I'm kind of getting you clued in a little bit. Because of the blood <laughs> of Jesus Christ, the power in his name. That former tree dried up. Has no power. Well, well, how about this? Didn't Isaiah even prophesy? Isaiah 53, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. <laughs> and as a root out of a dry ground. It was a dry ground, but there's power in the blood. There's power in his name because he is God manifested in the flesh. Somebody shout, thank God for the blood. Amen. My one-year-old grandson's thanking God for the blood. Just Go ahead, Jackson. Just thank God for the blood. Matthew 26, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission. Everybody say remission. Remission of sins. 
Thank God for the blood. John the Baptist, he saw Jesus coming. He said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. First Peter 1 and 18 and 19. But with the precious blood of Christ is a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hebrews 9, 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Christ purchased our redemption at the cross. Somebody shout amen. amen. Acts 17, 26. And he hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. Acts 20 and 28. Take heed. Pay attention, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Revelations 1 and 5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. When Simon gets baptized in a few minutes, in the precious name of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ is going to be applied and covered on his life. And he is... He is going to be set free from the curse of the old tree and receive the inheritance of the new tree. An inheritance of eternal life with Christ. Praise God. Amen. Hebrews 11. Check this out. This is so cool. This is amazing. This blows my mind. This is just good stuff. Hebrews 11, chapter 4. We call it Hebrews 11 what? What's the nickname? The faith chapter or the hall of faith. Hebrews 11, verse number 4. By faith, Abel. Abel, 4,000 years later. They're writing about Abel's faith. 4,000 years after he was killed by Cain and his blood went down into the ground. They're writing about it. It's still powerful. It's still crying out. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. And by it being dead, yet speaketh. His blood still speaking. The power of his blood in that ground was still speaking 4,000 years later. Not something that you could hear, but something in a world that God hears. Speaking in the spiritual sense. But Hebrews chapter 12. Let's ever say next chapter. Verse 24 says, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new, new covenant, the New Testament, the new will, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. If Abel's sacrifice was more excellent, how much greater is the blood of Jesus Christ? I thought someone would be like shouting on this with me. Think about how much greater is the blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect spotless Lamb of God. Because Abel was born with a sinful bloodline. And yet his blood was still speaking 4,000 years. Can I tell you? 2,000 years after, after Calvary, the blood of Jesus Christ is still able to save. It's still able to wash. It's even more powerful. It's still speaking. It's still calling out to somebody, whosoever will, let them come and repent and be baptized. 
And I, I'm, I'm closing. I'm trying to bring this to a close. I've gone longer than I normally do. I apologize for that. I don't apologize for the word, though. Amen. Let me try to close this. Take us back to the, to the text. God tells, tells Cain in verse number 12. <clears throat> God speaking to Cain. Cain has already killed his brother. When thou tillest the ground... It shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. You, you, you got to understand this. It was the blood of Abel, his innocent blood. Even though his bloodline was polluted, it was an innocent, he was innocent of being, he did not deserve to be killed by his older brother. He did not deserve that punishment. He, he did not deserve that. And God tells Cain, because of your brother's innocent blood that's in the ground, the ground no longer has strength. Church, we are earthen vessels. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We can live an overcoming life. Brother Nichols, you were right on. I don't heed the old man. I have power in the new man. The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. It is only because of the blood of lamb, the blood of the lamb, because I've been washed and cleansed and sanctified and justified by the blood of Jesus Christ that I can live an overcoming life and I'm not constrained by the old man. I've been set free from that curse. I've been set free from that curseful bloodline. But all oh, he that the Son has set free is free indeed. Oh, somebody give God some praise right now. As we all stand together in this place, I come to tell somebody in this house, the ground, your earthen vessel, your body, the sinful nature that you were born into has no longer has power over you when the blood of Jesus has covered you. Oh, you're not getting it. I said the ground of your earthly flesh the ground, your body, their carnal state has no power. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But also, greater is he that is in me than my own flesh. The natural man once says, I'm tempted in this way. But the spiritual man says, no, I've given you power to say no to the old man. To say no to the natural man. People say, well, I was born this way. You're right. You were born that way. You were born with a sinful bloodline. Anybody ever heard somebody tell you that? Well, I was born that way. I was born with this disposition. You probably were. You were born with that sinful man, just like I was. Can I be real? My flesh, when somebody cuts me off on the freeway, I want to get out of the car and pop them. Somebody says something. Oh, here we go. Somebody says something about somebody's mama. It's all my donkey. Mama. You said what? 
You look at me all year in a suit and white as a cracker. I get it. I know. I call myself a cracker. But you don't know like I know. Come on, there's a little bit of hood or ghetto or sinfulness in, in our past. But thank God for the blood. We have all done things. All we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us have done things and sinned and have stuff in our past, stuff in our car. We don't want nobody else knowing. I mean, nobody else knowing. But you gotta, you got to have that little conversation with God and say, God, I repent. I want a change in my life. I, I'm so sick and tired of being bound to that old man. There was a point in my life, in my life, I was sick and tired of the sinful state and living in condemnation. But the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation that are not in the flesh, but in Christ Jesus, in, in the Spirit. They walk not after the flesh, but after the... Who are you walking after today? Are you walking with a sinful bloodline or are you walking with a new bloodline because you've been born again? If you haven't been born again, I'm telling you, you can be born again today. Because His blood is still speaking. He's still calling for people to come. Can I tell you? You can say, well, hey, but you don't know what happened to me when I was eight years old. This happened to me. And when I was five years old, this happened to me. When I was a teenager, I, this happened to me. I had this kind of relationship as a teenager. I thought this was the one. I had a broken relationship. I've been broken. I've been abused. I've been hurt. I've been. I understand we all have baggage that we left behind at the, with the old man when we crossed over to the new man. The Bible says, all things become new. Behold, all things become... We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. I have seen with my own eyes women that have been... Uh, there's kids in here. You could just say everything abominable happened to them. They feel disgraced, abused, hurt, broken trust, don't trust anybody. Can't trust anybody. And I've seen them come to, the, to an altar. And I've seen them filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've seen them experience being born again. And all of those hurts and pains of that old bloodline. Things that happened to them, it wasn't even their fault, but life happened. But they were born with that sinful bloodline, and they, they didn't. But when the blood of Jesus was applied in their life, they were set free. Having a new relationship, some of them walking, married, having children, beautiful lives, soul winners, outreach, Sunday school teachers, singing in the choir. How is it that they, I'm telling you, because they went from a sinful bloodline to a pure bloodline. You see, here, here it comes. God said, the ground <laughs> does not yield the same harvest because of the blood that entered into the ground. I was born with a sinful bloodline and a sinful nature. 
Paul said, I have to crucify my flesh daily. Why? Because I don't want to pursue the sinful man. I want to pursue the sinful pure. And I've preached that whole message this morning to invite somebody that says, I'm tired of the old bloodline. I'm tired of the way it's been. I have been so unhappy and I haven't really even understood why. But I just want to tell you, there is still a cross. <laughs> there is still a blood that can flow down from Calvary and cover a multitude of sin. His blood still works. There's still power in the blood. There's still power in the blood. Thank God for the blood. And I just want to invite anyone. Matter of fact, if you're here today, you want to come by yourself, maybe bring somebody with you. Say, hey, let's go. Let's go have a little talk with Jesus. I wonder if anybody would want to come and repent and say, God, I'm tired of the old way of living. I need a new change in my life. It may just be as simple as that. I'm just tired of the way it's been. I want a new change. And I'm telling you, I believe if you'll step out in faith and come down here and you begin to call on the name that's above every name, Jesus. Jesus, I'm tired of the old man. I want a new change. Come. The blood is calling this morning. Jesus is calling this morning. If there's anybody here today, I'm not saying you're bad, I'm not saying you're lost today. I'm talking to the church family here today also. If you're just thankful for the blood, I wonder if you'd like to come up and just take a few moments and say, thank you, Lord, for a new bloodline. Thank you for the blood of Calvary that's washed and cleansed and sanctified and purified. Thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you this morning, the blood still works. It still flows this morning. It's still speaking today. Come on, let's find a place to pray, church. Come on. Church family, find somebody to pray with. If you're not praying by yourself, find somebody to pray with. Join somebody. Begin to plead the blood for somebody. Thank God for the blood.